Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels video game music podcast. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. And every week we get together, we hang out, and we listen to some cool video game tunes. Some, oh. What? What? Hold on. <laughs> what? I got stuck because I thought you wanted to say something. He's stopping there. I'll interject. Oh, uh, uh, that's fine. That's fine. You just cut me off. Every week, cutting me off. Mm. Goes to show who's <laughs> the man who likes the beer in the room. No, what, so what's up? What, what are you up to? Um... Keeping creepy busy. Uh, Magfest is approaching in less than a month. So yes. I'm trying to. When is Magfest? Do you know? I think it's like January 5th, more or less, give or take. I have to double check. <laughs> You've heard it here first. It's approximately. <laughs> approximately, more or less, January, January 5th. 5th. Click, click, click. In National Harbor, Maryland, just in case that needs to get tacked on to. And um, I'm building my MagPL, that is Magfest Pokemon League Steel Team, and Pokemon Sun and Moon. In addition to that, um, I just wrote my first game review in ages. Oh, you finished that. What were you, you were replaying again? I, I... Amnesia: The Dark Descent is one of three games that are housed on the Amnesia Collection that was released on the PlayStation Four last week. Very cool. Yeah, I think uh, I came over. We started playing that the first one, like at the beginning of it, right? Yes, it was cool. It is a good game. I enjoyed it. There are some. You know, caveats that make it so that it's not accessible to any game player. But if you fill a certain niche of gameplay styles. What do you mean? Basically, if you're the type of, well, accessible as an enjoyable, I should have said. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, like like it's a first person game, so I would have a hard time enjoying it. That would be one reason, (laughs) yes. And that's not a crack against first person games. It's just a problem that I have with vomiting. Yes, all (laughs) over the floor. Yeah. It is. It is inconvenient. It's become a serious problem. There's actually a new um, stage in Street Fighter V called the Skies of Honor, in which you fight on top of an airplane while it's flying, and it's like turning like left and right, and so the background's all wavy, and I can't follow it. So basically, it makes everyone listening, yeah. use that stage on hand if you easy. have stage select options online. Well, I finished Inside for the PlayStation 4. Oh, how it, was that? It was awesome. I recommend it. Super, super recommend it. It's from the creators of Limbo, um, which I've only played the first part of, but Inside's super amazing. It's just, it's stressful and it's sad. I mean, you're like this little kid and um, like like everything is like heightened because you don't want this little kid to die because you'll feel so sad, you know, like he's everything's against him. And so it's just really hard and it's and sometimes hard to watch. But it's just, it's really great. It's really important. Sounds like you should write a review for it. I could. I could. I'm sure enough has been said. I'll say it here. It's great. It's worth the money. Please go check it out. If you are listening, if you haven't tried it, just check it out. And if you're not going to try it, just watch, watch a playthrough of it on YouTube. I'm sure there's one out there. It's really fantastic. Mm. Well, there, that's, a, that's a glowing recommendation yeah. right there. There you go. I played a video game from start to finish. <laughs> <laughs> that's news, right? It caps off as I do it far less than you do, to be honest with you. So yeah, but I don't play a lot. Touche. Yeah, I just I don't. Remedy that. Remedy. Oh, remedy. I said remedy. <laughs> that too. Rivety, rivety. Rivet, rivet. But uh, yeah. I mean, so like I spend that. I'm doing the review for that game, and I am still disorganized. I got. I have learned. I have a certain passion for night raking. Uh. 
I don't know why or how. Well, or... the problem is that it's 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 dark at like four o'clock in the afternoon now. Yeah, which results in most normal people doing things earlier. I just adapt to the night and rake at night. So, <laughs> so like everyone's like inside, like going to bed, and you're like you're raking leaves and you're flying a kite with a beer. I do all of them at once, <laughs> but it ended up it was a surprising thing to do. I could have been in the house playing video games, but instead I decided I want to rake leaves at 6, 7 p.m. So, and jam time. But enough about either of our weird and wacky day lives. I just wanted to hear it, man. What, me and Night Raking? Well, I, I didn't have to hear about that, but I'm glad I'm glad you told me. Well, yeah, I want to share it, but I, it's like it's the, it's the fine-tuned <laughs> balance between having fun and discussion and not killing our audience members with <laughs> It's our, the balance between having fun and doing chores. This is, uh, this is true. Yeah. This is very true. Anyway, um, what is our topic this week? That would have to be an interesting topic that Rob actually suggested. Yes. It proved to be quite the challenge. Yes, I'm surprised. I didn't expect it. The topic in question happens to be Dreamcast RPGs. Now, for the younger set listening to the show, the Dreamcast launched in the year 1999 to, I want to say fanfare. Was it 99? Really? 99. Wow. It launched in a turbulent environment because it was post-Sega Saturn, Mm. and people were pretty burned by it, and it was pre-PlayStation 2, but the hype buzz was going well strong for it at that point. So the game release buzz for that system was more about experimentation on Sega's part. Yes, which is awesome. Oh, very awesome. But unfortunately, experimentation primarily by one developer. There were some third parties, but not a great deal. That unfortunately meant that the RPG spectrum, i.e., a pretty basic standard of uh, RPG, I'm yeah. sorry, of gameplay, yeah. of game genres, was overlooked and underrepresented on the system. Yeah, not a, not a whole lot of them, and so I don't know a lot about these games. Um, I, I know I've heard of them. I'm, I think I played through some of these that I've read through, but I did, the ones that I picked today did not touch. <laughs> I've played a couple. I had a, I have a pretty decent staple of games at home for this thing. Because I was trying especially hard to keep up with it. This was my first new-gen console post-having a real job. So I went to town on getting everything I possibly could for it. Yeah. So Anyway, so let, let's, have, let's, let's share some Dreamcast um, stories um, with the first title. I'm actually going to go. I'm going to skip ahead because I want to play a song that sounds, to me, sounds super 90s. Oh, okay. And this is from the game Sega Gaga, Japanese-only release. And I will talk about it a little bit after the, the song, but this is called the theme of R720 from the game Sega Gaga for the Sega Dreamcast. Um, and I don't know the, the, the composer for this one, I believe, is uh, Suyoshi Kaneko, but also credited on the soundtrack is Hiroshi Kawaguchi and Masato Nakamura. But I believe this is just Suyoshi Kaneko. And this is the theme of R720. The hour for which people have been waiting for centuries. Centuries. I'm not 
Listening to the theme of R720 from the game Sega Gaga for the Sega Dreamcast by I believe it's just Tsuyoshi Kaneko. I gotta say that song has taught me that you and I have different impressions on what the '90s sounded like. Well, to me, this is like um, like late '90s, early 2000s, like kind of atmospheric drum and bass. Oh, okay, I can see that now. Going yeah. into the future, yeah, like this is the stuff I this is the stuff I really listen to, and what I actually have a massive record collection of this kind of music that makes sense then because yeah. like the good idea where i was expecting you like this sounds especially 90s my impression was always that the 90s was all about trying to express this definition of cool rocking you know yeah i guess like 90s like pop music it's like like the 90s like kind of rave music yeah that, that makes sense then so um i guess we need to talk a little bit about this game because it's a little strange um so this game came out in 2001 and it is a role-playing game that takes place in the year 2025, in which Sega only owns 3% of the market share. It's almost like they can predict the future. No, it is. So it's like, and so in the game, so, so Sega hires these kids to, to like, to like become like super powerful or whatever and develop like the best game to fight the other company called Dogma, which was really Sony. So they went back. <laughs> their market share because that was the PlayStation 2. So it just mimicked the fight between um, Sega and the PlayStation 2. Did they, did, um, like, did they have any sort of, from what you could tell from your research, were there like any sort of representative um, representative characters? Me and mumbling. Yeah, characters. Any yeah. characters that resembled Sony properties? Yeah, so, oh, Sony, I think I think there were, but the, all, I only know about the, the Sega ones because the, a lot of the music, not a lot of, actually a lot of the music is like parodies or remixes or like weird covers of like classic like Sega music. Okay. Like there's even some Sonic stuff in there too. And you even like there's like a section where you fight like Samba de Amigo and there's some, there's some weird stuff. So, but oh, I think is so funny is that so the um, the director of this game, uh, Tez Okano, presented this to Sega, right? Okay. And said like, 
this game is really silly, and they thought it was a joke, and they just laughed him. And they, they didn't even, they, they thought it was a joke. He left thinking he sold it, and they thought it was a joke, and so he left. <laughs> so he started making it. Happen. Right, so they never funded it. So he went to, um, he went to um, Hitmaker, um, another uh, um, publisher, and, and pitched it to them. And they said, okay, here's a development budget. And so <laughs> he, sent, he spent the next two years developing this game in secret, fearing that it could just get shut down at any point because it's a parody of what's actually happening at Sega. This is all real. All right, and so when it finally got released, he only spent $200 on marketing. Wait, what? And most of that money was spent on a wrestling mask, and he went to, like, different, like, game stores in um, Akihabara. <laughs> Fight me for this Yeah, game. and he would just, like, like, like just to talk up the game and, like, just to be silly, and he would show up at different game stores around, and that would be, like, the event. So, like... <laughs> that has to be probably his, like, number one passion project for a game. Then, like, he actually went out and hit the pavement himself selling the product and it was a hundred percent ridiculously meta so yeah it's weird that like a game this old is is so meta and that you think that sega wouldn't let it get passed but they, they thought it was a joke and so they just didn't they didn't fund it except for this group but like at this time like 2001 like the playstation 2 was like hey we're coming out we have a dvd player and everyone turned in like sold their dreamcast to get a stupid playstation Hey, it wasn't stupid so much as there was room for both in my Okay, you know what? I was working at an electronics boutique, and people were selling their Dreamcasts, turning them in for, like, chump change, like tiny, tiny amounts of money for an to get a PlayStation 2 where the only game was that stupid, like, fireworks game. Well, no, it it did have two good games at launch. I can't deny that. I know. It did have um, that. that, It's a sex. It had SSX. Yeah, SSX. It um, had Evergrace if you're were fine with action RPGs, but it wasn't superb. It yeah, was like that was from software. Lame. It was like early stuff. Um, I had that one, um, one that I was actually excited about. It was like a robot, like a mech, mech warrior type game. Mech was, warrior game? Oh, yeah. I used to play it on PlayStation 1 a lot. I can't remember. Now it got me wondering what it is because I don't even remember that one. But yeah, but, but everyone was like, oh, what games are out for? I'm like, we don't have any of them, but we do have this game where it's, it's I don't even know what it is. It's fireworks. <laughs> Fantavision. Fantavision, yeah. I kept wanting to say it was Fantasia Vision. <laughs> Could have been both. Anyway, Maybe another country is Fantasia Vision. So I picked this track because it's it it makes me feel super nostalgic inside. Now you got me feeling this whole episode is gonna probably just be us talking about the Dreamcast PlayStation War Watch. It's just gonna have to happen. Now I, I don't know. Anyway, um I'd like to talk more about the Dreamcast, but let's talk about your next track first. Alright, well for your first track, because you haven't played any music yet. I have not. What are you doing on this podcast? Drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next, well, the first track I'm going to select actually did get a PS2 release later, and I can comment on that just because why not. But mm. the game to me flourished best on the Dreamcast, and that game is Grandia 2, the yeah. sequel to, of course, Grandia 1 by Game Arts. And the track that I chose is called Commercial Town Lilligue. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a good one. Apparent Prosperity. Written and composed by Noriyuki Iwadare. Nice.
Welcome back. You are jamming up to the track Commercial Town Lilligu, Apparent Prosperity from the game Grandia 2. Written and composed by a regular on the show and a favorite of mine, Noriyuke Iwadare. This guy is a game work staple. Oh, yeah. And to be honest, this track is an interesting choice on my part because playing through Grandia many, many, many moons ago, um, one would have expected me to have picked any of the myriad of fight team themes that exist in the game, which, which are, are awesome. Yes, like, they I, I, had, I had picked out a couple of the fight. There was a few. There's a there's a lot of fight themes in this game. And I actually picked out two of them before I, I ended up on some other games. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because like it, they're definitely because there was like it was the, the normal fight theme. It was the ambush theme. There was the Valmar battle theme. Yeah, there was a and few, there was the boss theme. Yeah, a few final boss themes, like one or two of those. But it's just such a great game to play which is weird because plot one oh back to the original thing yeah but so like those are usually like rock tracks with heavy energy but this track I don't know when I got to this town that the, the town that this track plays in it was one of those examples of which kind of walking around in circles to talk to every single person you could just to extend the duration of time you spent there because it kind of felt like a breath of fresh air you walk in this town it's, it, the name says it all it's prosperous very does, happy and prosperous it's, town. It's party music. This is party music. Yeah, it's brand new now. Like this, this um, I really like the um, first of all, this synth, this synth leads really good, and then I like there's a little like little eight bit eight bit sound that comes out. It's like it's freaking good. So he composed. There it is. Yeah, that's I really like how that fits in there. But no, he um he also composed for Lunar the Silver Star, which you played on the show. Now, a lot of that music is a lot like this music, so I'm I'm, I'm not surprised you picked this track. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really fun, and it's really funky. Yes, it is. And the, what was it? Oh, the big hook for this thing. Like, why Grandia clicked and why it worked. Um, first game had a superb plot, I thought, whereas the second one I felt was kind of lacking in a number of ways. It was a generic, you know, church is evil plot. And the characters, for the most part, oh, weren't know. all that interesting. One of those. <laughs> <laughs> One of those. It really was. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the the main, the only character that really started as being interesting to me was the Millennia character, who was like an evil bat woman. Basically, she was part. She was a component of the main monster boss of the game, and she was you know deemed evil, but turned out to be good. Again, a typical staple in this day and age of RPG plots, but. The way they characterized her in that game for the time was really well done, I thought. Um, so, And also, of course, the game had the combat interruption system, which the most recent game that has used that is Child of Light. For those of you who ever played that? No, no, no. What's combat interruption? Well, what it is is most games in RPGs typically have a time gauge, like a speed rating for a character, which determines how fast they can act. Yeah. Um, there was a build-up to action phase and then a phase after you chase, choose an action where you have to charge up to do your move. If you play your moves right, being that some moves work quickly, some take longer, that property existing for enemies oh, as well, yeah, you yeah. can actually interrupt their actions and they can interrupt that, yours. Yeah. And if you're really good at it, you can kind of just kind of free flow through an entire battle and really not take hits. But I was not that good, but I still did a pretty bomb job at keeping them down when I could. Yeah, give I them the boot. I didn't play a lot of this game. I remember I'm um, starting it, but I remember really liking how colorful it was. Like it was, it was the characters were really neat looking, and like the backgrounds were all pre-rendered and cool. Yeah, and I think that's a very good some assessment to make. Yeah, it was yeah. a very colorful game. Yes, yeah, I, I like that. Like 
especially like the PlayStation and the PlayStation 2, a lot of RPGs were kind of dark and kind of grim. Yeah, that was towards the end of the Blue Sky era of games, they say. <laughs> yeah, the Dreamcast. Um, so let's move into our next game, shall we? This one is called Elemental Gimmick Gear, or EGG, or as you came in, you were like, oh, egg! I know that one! <laughs> it's called an egg. Which I, I remember hearing about, but I, I never actually played. Um, and this is the theme for the town East Tokion for the Sega Dreamcast by Harayu... It's been a while since I've flubbed up these names, right? <laughs> That's a staple of the show. It has to happen. It's got to happen once. Um, Haruyoshi Rokudo. And again, this is the town of East Tokion. And I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> listening to East Tokion from the game Elemental Gimmick Gear EGG <laughs> from the Sega Dreamcast by Haruyoshi Rokudo. Now this is uh, this is a beautiful. I love I love that that theme that plays through with the the flute. It's got it's got kind of a classic Nintendo sound to it, but then the um like the kind of violin plucking and stuff, it just sounds that's it's really great. Really great stuff. What do you think? I'm actually enjoying it. I was actually trying to learn, try to refresh myself a bit on the game, and the music played over it quite nicely yeah. because it's, again, I think this is going to end up being a strangely mellow episode of the show because... Yeah, I kind of like, I wanted to do my my different, faster songs at the beginning. <laughs> I'm digging this. Like it, but this it, is great. Yeah, this, this, has some, this has some really cool songs. And yeah. it does fit the aesthetic <laughs> of the game, too, the bit that I do remember of it because uh, it's definitely... Like, the idea was that if anyone remembers Crystallis, 
It has a hmm. similar concept to that, yeah, where yeah. you are a person who awakens from a slumber and steps out into the world post-destruction of said world, and you are tasked with trying to pretty much right what's wrong. And, of course, that means there's a lot of lush greenery <laughs> and you know, quiet hamlets where people are probably just scavenging around in little EGG suits trying to make ends meet yeah, by I eating scrap for dollars. the artwork of those, um, those big like metal suits that look kind of like, they're kind of egg-shaped, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really, really neat. Um, we might, I think I might post some of this on our Facebook or on our Twitter. The, the artwork for this game is really cool. Like, maybe it's just, it might just be the, um, um, the concept art for the game, but it's, it's really fantastic and it's really imaginative. And I think it fits this, this, this music really well. And this music's got, it's got really cool stereo effects going on. So if you can, um, put some headphones on. This is really neat. Mm. Yeah. And maybe that's why it's sounding so good here because headphones are worn in the studio at all times. It's a safety requirement. And uh, <laughs> so we are getting the full hit of this wonderful tune. Not one eared for us. This is all about that stereo. It's dangerous in here, man. Mm hmm. Gotta protect your ears from the lack of sound that could happen if you're, you know, not connected <laughs> you to take the your audio. Off and you just, you just get real sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tunes can and be pumping. Dangerous. But not with those headphones. Yeah, don't. so I'm just kind of mellowing it out. So um, let's keep it on going. What's what's your what's your next game? I'm not making it taking the mellow out. It's gotta go. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it's not heavy. Yeah. But yeah, it's, that's all right. Well, what is it? What did you, you pick from? Um, I picked from Skies of Arcadia. Nice. Now I was worried because a friend slash listener to the show had told me that oh yeah you guys have totally picked that track before but I was like the hell we did <laughs> I didn't pick this track I wouldn't know if I picked it and we picked a character theme and I was so glad to learn that was the case that means we can slap it onto the bass right now Galcyon it was Galcyon yes and that was really yeah it was like a really dark theme because he was the villain so I remember the um, this game got real dark yeah, <laughs> even though it was like so light and fluffy for hours Oh my god, this game was so long. Because there was clouds involved, get oh, it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what's your track? Simply put, it's the boss battle theme to the game. Alright. And the composers are Yutaka, Minobe, and Tatsuyoki Maida. <laughs>
right, welcome back. You are listening to what I consider to be one of the most fantastic battle boss themes I have ever heard in the history of playing RPGs. That is not an exaggeration. That's that's a, that's a big thing to yeah, say. It is. It's legit. It's from the game Skies of Arcadia, and it goes by three names, Boss Battle, Crisis, and Opportunity. And the composer of this wonderful theme is... Yutaka Minobe and Tatsuyuki Maida. Now, it's funny because as Rob was going through the track, oh, man. he <laughs> was confused because he, he played the game and he even forgot this. He beat the game and oh, I said, I should. Sure, yeah, that was ages ago. I, mean, I know, I, just, I still think it's still, it's, it's still worth mentioning that Rob beat this game and I didn't. Now, yes, yes. Um, so the reason why I like this track so much, aside from the fact that it sounds just generally good, is the fact that. It is a dynamic track that plays in the game itself. It's three tracks, but it's dynamic because the game switches between them based on the condition of your team members and the process of fighting whatever boss you're on. There's a base theme, boss battle, that plays when you're starting into the fight and also when things are on even ground. The crisis plays when a character or characters are in the near-death stage of combat, so you want to heal them as quickly as possible to get back up to base level. And opportunity kicks in when you are stomping mud holes and bosses behinds, and the game wants you to know it. It is a fantastic way to get pumped for a game yeah, while it's, you're. It's coming. fun that it's adaptive like that. I, I've forgotten that it's adaptive. Like right here's here's the part. Yeah, this is when you uh, know uh, it's party time. It's really cool, and uh, I, I think it did that during the um the the ship battles too, right? Sadly, no. The ship battles didn't have that. The cool ship battles were so scripted; it was like ridiculous. Yeah, they were. It it was, in fact, it was like here's a script. Make sure you just press the buttons at the right time, and it was just oh, so slow. This game was slow. Yes, it was slow. Which is why those who were able to afford the freaking GameCube re-release made out like bandits, whereas the the original Dreamcast players have to suffer for what they love. It, it was like I don't know what it was. This is one of those games where I spent. With so many hours playing it, like um, I mean, this is one of the first games I remember, like coming home from work and playing this, and then like not sleeping for like days and just playing this game over and over because it was just like the boss battles, like the random attacks would just occur over and over and over again. And the thing is, like, it wouldn't have been so bad, except that you couple what you just described with what has to be one of the most excruciatingly regular encounter rates I have ever dealt with extreme encounter rates I've ever dealt oh, with yeah, the it game. Oh yeah, it just happened constantly there was like nothing you could do about it and then it, it, it wanted you to explore. The big thing was flying around in your airship and exploring but of course you had to like fight like over and over and over again Dang, and you were just slow. <laughs> and your ship was slow and you were just spinning around in circles waiting for your compass to like you know get all wacky to like find like something I, I don't know this game was weird but cool and the twist like the, the, there was like a turn that happened about three-fourths of the way through the game which i don't think you even got to i was one i was like maybe one like half an asking i went one a half yeah. an event from it and i just never picked it back up because yeah. the encounter rates were too daunting oh, so hard yeah but like that turn i think made the rest of the game like really worth it because it was very unexpected and the game got really dark all of a sudden which was really different it was it was that was cool and of course, this game had to inject the wonders of the wonders of VMU at the time. You could raise a little chupo. Oh, that's right, and that was the um, the weapon that the the white mage used. Right? Yep, Fina <laughs> used it. Yeah, the 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 the, the um, Fina. 
Yeah, she was the, she was the, the, the white maid, the healer. Yeah, yeah, she was the quote unquote mysterious amnesiac. Yeah, from another wherever. Oh, one of those. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it was still good. I mean, I know the way we're talking about this game. It probably sounds like an absolute turd, it's but neat. I assure you, Rob assures you. <laughs> yeah, this game was legit. Is you ever have that feeling where you kind of like doubt? Your own like memory. Your memory is fine. And, Don't like, hate your memory. And, like that nostalgia, that feeling is like you only like it because you had a good time at the time. No, I I can vouch for it still clicking. Like if you were to watch Thundercats again, yeah, you'd be actually, like, uh, no, that the Thundercats need to be locked up. They're n- no longer on the loose. That right. was not good. <laughs> but uh, but like trust me, I can tell you, I did a RPG of the Month Club maybe back in 2014 or 15. Oh yeah, and this was one of the first games we did, so it was revisiting it. It's still fun. It's still cool. I did play the GameCube version because <laughs> encounter rate lower. Oh, but that's, that's cool. But I mean, wouldn't that be harder to like level up your dudes though? No, because you were generally over leveled anyway. It was uh, just you had to yeah. deal with too much combat. I forgot to. I remember um, uh, Fina, right? That was her name. That that was the white mage person. Yeah. she had that 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 little weapon thing that was like her pet. Yeah, that was the thing you leveled that up. You leveled up. I, I never even touched that. I think like my VMU like didn't have batteries half the time or something, so I never used it. And so I never used her in the battle. Like that's I, blasphemy. Every man. T- every time I would fight, I would just leave her out. And then um uh, my friend um uh, who I don't think he's in America now, but he I worked with him for a long time. Uh, Darius, uh, we, he always had it out. He was always leveling it up and doing things with it. And he was like, "Why aren't you using this thing? She's like invincible." I'm like, mm-hmm. I never touched it because <laughs> she was beast mode. Same with Ica. Everybody was just beast mode. Oh, I so much about that game. Ica was, she was the red haired lady, right? She was the one whose super strong ability legitimately made her invulnerable for like oh, five turns. She was the one that she like turned into like chrome, right? Yes, it was golden. Oh man, I've forgotten so much about this game already. She had a boomerang though, right? Yep. Yeah, so this is the game of boomerangs. It's any, all about boomerangs. Any game where you wield a boomerang is a game for me. Skies of boomerangs. Where are there some games of boomerangs? There's Zelda. Power Blade. P- Power Blade was cool. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Digging them up. Breath of Fire had boomerangs. Mm-hmm. The main character was one of his weapon types. More games should have boomerangs. More games need to be produced in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll solve the problem. <laughs> I like how sad you looked. More games <laughs> should be made in Australia. Yeah, alas. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go into my final track. This is from the game Evolution Part 2 for the Sega Dreamcast. This is The Crypt Maze by Masahara, I'm sorry, Masaharu Iwata.
This is the Crypt Maze from the game Evolution 2 for the Sega Dreamcast by Masaharu Iwata. I, I really like this song. It's so atmospheric. I was digging it. Like I feel like a lot of the dungeons in the Evolution series had this kind of sound to them. Like very, like you said, atmospheric, enviro-stimulating sounds. Like not so much quiet with just birds chirping and stuff, but... So yeah, so he is um, he is one of the founding members of the of the team called Bass Escape with his fellow composer Hitoshi Sakamoto, which is an amazing composer, and they did the music to Grand. We played on the last episode. Grand, Grand Kingdom. Grand Kingdom. That was Bass Escape. Hey hey. Uh, but he's most famous for Ogre Battle, Final Fantasy Tactics, and Final Fantasy Twelve. So it's very all uh, excellent. Yeah, Masahari Iwata is like something else like next level he's got I a just, pedigree what I love is like it's got that cool like kind of cavey kind of like fakey synthy sound but there's a there's, that synth has like a really like strong theme it's really neat now have you ever played evolution any of them before no sir one thing worth interest, interestingly to one thing interesting worth noting about them because the games themselves are pretty straightforward general dungeon crawling RPGs okay but the characters had interesting names to them. Like what? Um, well, the main character's name was Mag Launcher, and he was a kid who was the heir to a rich family, and he carried around a giant backpack that had a mechanical hand that would come out and do things. That's awesome. And all of his special attacks involved this giant hand, like with smack guys or pound on them. So every character had a weird name related to a weapon. Mag launcher. So the, to whatever, whatever weapon they used? No, nothing to do uh, with what they used, just the yeah. name. Like, okay. His name was Mag Launcher. His butler's name was Grey Nade. <laughs> his friend's name, he had friends named Pepper Spray. <laughs> Linear Cannon. Um, what was the other girl's name? Ma Shetty. <laughs> I wonder, actually. <laughs> there might have been someone hidden in the game named Ma Shetty. His name was Sam Urai sword. Did I say pepper spray already? Yeah, he said pepper spray. And pepper spray. 
What was the name of the girl with the blade on her back? I'll remember it later. But basically, there was like... Cannon Ball. <laughs> Cannon. But uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting gimmick at the time. I was like, wow, all these guys have weapon-based names. And it had a lot of good... It was a nice bit of humor to it. It was a very lighthearted RPG. He was trying to save up money to save a historical society or something like this. So you would enter dungeons and then get the money that you basically take the treasure you find there and sell it to the society for money. Huh. Or take it to society to get money for it. Yeah, like your usual, like, do the dungeon, get the money, get the money, do the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Spend you the just money. pay off this massive <laughs> <Yeah>. debt. <laughs> just using the money to pay off the debt. It's almost like, it basically was like, you know, evolution, the mortgage-based RPG. Oh, like um, uh, Animal Crossing. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And for Animal the record, Crossing with, like, dungeon fights and stuff, right? And speaking of that, for the record, I never, I was into it for a while, New Leaf, and I still don't understand. New Leaf? Yeah, that was the 3DS version oh, of it. Of Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. I knew that. It I knew just, that. It just, you took me down that road because <laughs> you mentioned it because I used to tease people about the logic of why anybody would be obsessed with playing a video game where the premise is to pay your mortgage. And yet, lo and behold, with New Leaf, I had like two houses. Game, <laughs> I paid them both off. Games can like be, they can make mundane everyday things a little more interesting, right? Like this time it's not just some bank. It's, it's a raccoon, right? A tanuki that would break your ankles if you didn't pay him his money, his bells. Wow. I'd never play the 3DS one, but it sounds like it got pretty dark. Oh, it got dark if you didn't pay his, <laughs> give him his money when it was due. And the Simpsons kind of started all that. They did that whole episode with the uh, like virtual lawn, like lawn care. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like that uh, gardening, virtual gardening. <laughs> I was like, well, you could do some real gardening. Like, well, there's no score attributed <laughs> to that. Games. All right, what's your, uh, what's your last track here? Well, I did have a track list for Evolution 1, but thankfully you already picked from the sequel. We so. could have gone at 1 again, but what else? You have something else, though, right? That's exactly did it. I'd rather go to the other game. Huh? Another game entirely? Different game entirely. Different, different game. So that over a sequel or prequel. So <laughs> I'm going to go with a game that would be damn near criminal if we ignored it on this show. What's up? Why are we missing? If you take a guess, you'll know. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. It's a Dreamcast game. It's an RPG. There's like five of them. Five of them. <laughs> so there's like five total RPGs. What am I missing? So what's Wait, it's a Fantasy Star? Yeah, it's a Fantasy Star. Okay, Fantasy Star Online? Fantasy Star Online. I, I have some stories about this game. And the track. I think we all do. <laughs> oh, well, we do. Anybody listen to, most of the people I know listen to this show prior are like, oh my god, modem-based RPG gameplay all right. action. All right, so which which of these famous tracks? Because after a while playing this game, I just turned the music off. Wow! Because <laughs> hours and hours and hours, but it's so good, though. But you so, did spend a lot of time in four dungeons, but... Uh, yep. So the it. track I picked, we can talk about the game afterwards. Sure, sure. But the track is Empty Space Out of Control, Part 1. <laughs>
Welcome back. You are listening to Empty Space Out of Control. <laughs> How excited you are. Part one. It's a good track. So I can hear like the some of the sound effects in the background remind me of the sound effects of the game where you would like you click the button to do the attacks, which is kind of cool. But where where does this take place? Do you remember? Um, I believe it was a, the mine level. Where it's like a bunch of robots you typically fight in there. The oh, third yeah, stage. Yeah. I remember the first stage was the grass plains. Yep. The second stage was sort of like, I guess, like a cave, and at the bottom was that giant, that fish on the raft, or that yeah, snake guy on the raft. Yeah, yeah. And then the third one was like the mines, like and the fourth one mines. was like the big spaceship thing. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Oh, I forgot. We got to mention the composer. I may be wrong here because I kind of winged it on the selection, but I believe. Well, I'll, tell, I'll tell you if you're wrong. You go for it. Oh, I, you're I, ready. I know the answer. <laughs> oh, thank heavens. I want to say the composer's name was Hideki Kobayashi. Yes, Hideaki Kobayashi. Woohoo! I'm on fire. So yeah, a very p- tepid flame. <laughs> so he composed a lot of the um, the Fantasy Star um, online games, all those titles, the episode one, two, three, um, zero, I think it was called. Um, he also worked on Sonic Colors, which has a fantastic soundtrack. And a fantastic game. Haters be damned. So that's really cool. Now um, this this song actually reminds me of um, Have you ever heard of the band called Sigur Ross? Nope. They are Icelandic. They're very. Um, it's a lot like this. <laughs> oh, really? Very like atmospheric with a lot of weird sounds that sort of build and build and build. It's a little more melodic than this. Okay, it's a lot more melodic because this isn't really melodic at all. But it's but it's a very much like ethere- ethereal. Thanks, the good word for that. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of this track. Like I don't like, and as you re- you may remember from the game, the way it was was it had every level had two sets of music. Right, it, right, yeah. It was the exploration music, and it was oh crap, robots music, <laughs> and this was the former of the two. So it felt kind of nice to kind of wander around with no bot, no adversaries to give you grief, and this is just kind of playing. Mm. It fit the mood quite nicely, and that's a good thing because you'll spend a lot of time there. Yes, yes. <laughs> the for the history lesson for again some of the younger listeners, PSO was a game that both Rob and I were kind of addicted to. Quite a bit. Kind of. It was the first online console game. Like, I don't yeah, think it was the first. Was it the first online? It, it was pretty much the first console in and out. So the Dreamcast um, came loaded with a modem. It was a dial-up modem, but it came loaded with a modem, which is which is unheard of. So this is at, this is around the end of like when dial-up, like when everyone had dial-up. So like people were starting to move off of dial-up and going towards like digital. Whatever DSL or cable cable modems. Yeah, with the DSL combat, cable battle at that point. Who's going to take your money? <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. But um, so in this one, you could use I forget I used um Earth Earthlink. What did you use? I think I was still just rocking AOL. It's AOL, but you could use your whatever subscription you had and set it up into the Dreamcast so that when you loaded up Fantasy Star, it would dial out and connect to the servers, and then every like you can, you can actually all of the servers were like different little spaceships and you can go from spaceship to spaceship and like talk to people um, and then you would create a crew and go down to the surface and play through 
playthrough of the game. It was pretty, it was, I think it had up to four people. Yeah, four people were in a normal game, but in a lobby could have like 32. Yeah, so it got pretty wild. And you can go from lobby to lobby, which is really neat. So like you can, you can find a bunch of people together and like just jump in a lobby and do like a, like a flash mob. I remember, I remember we used to do that. And if I remember correctly, people would be in the lobbies like running in circles, showing off their mags and whatever rare weapons they yeah, had. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was, um, yeah, and they would have, you could set up like, um, um, because you can set up the keyboard to actually type in the game. So like, I remember playing this game, like you had the keyboard in your lap and you had the controller in your hand. You were constantly like switching back and forth. It was awesome. So yeah, there was no there was no um, voice chat. I mean, this was like way before that was even a thing. Oh God, I just remembered the best story that comes from this game. All right, so you tell your story, then I'll tell my story. So as I mentioned earlier, this was like the first uh, pretty much console MMO, which means this was my first experience getting out in the world and playing games with people that weren't in my living room. So, I worked for KB Toys at the time, and I came across a player who was also on there. can't remember the player's name. Dusty Bears with Dusty Bear 04. Okay. And it was a female avatar, because, of course. And um, we started partnering up and playing the game. And we started to click pretty tightly. It was surprising. And I didn't have much luck with the lady, so having this experience felt kind of nice. Like, wow, I've been playing games with this girl on a regular basis. We get along really well. Turns out this girl also works for KB Toys in Arizona. And we had a lot in common. So we played the game a lot and just kind of enjoyed each other's company for the most part. And I'm talking for months, not days. But, of course, no one ever asked the most optimal and most obvious question. What gender are you? <laughs> ASL. And, of, yep, ASL never came out. The, uh, S. And, of course, the S was the M for both of us. And it was a very jarring realization. We still played the game together, but it just didn't feel the same anymore. <laughs> it just didn't quite click. Oh, yeah, my story was, was not like that. So I, I heard about this game... Um, through some people who were um, kind of going after the uh, the illegal downloads, you know, before they would come out. Stop all the downloads. Because um, I heard of uh, Jet Set Radio, and I got super excited because I loved the idea of cel-shaded 3D, and so I was, like, really, like, up on, like, what was the newest stuff coming out in Japan. So I heard about this game, and someone was like, hey, I got a demo, and then, hey, I actually got the game, but it's Japanese. Did you want to try it? <laughs> Did you want to try it out? And, you know, you can't read it, and you can't play it online, obviously, but did you want to try it out? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I want to try it out. <laughs> so I played it for, like, two days straight, just on my own, um, which was amazing. I loved it. And I got to, like, level, like, 20 or 30, like, really high level. And then the actual game came out in the States. And I had to start over from the beginning to play on American servers. Um, so yeah, that was that was my thing. And then I, I played like during the day, and then at night I would play at night on with like Japanese players. <laughs> and then um, and then I stopped playing. For, and then I, I just I a point. It's for me it was like Pokemon um, Red and Blue, mm-hmm. where like you got to a certain level, and you can only you can only level so much, you know, right? Like you, until you, you just play through like the last part of the game over and over again, trying to get higher and higher levels. But now if I remember correctly, when you beat the game, did it unlock higher difficulties for the same four levels? I think levels? There, there was one more higher difficulty and then that was it. So like once you got to a certain level, there wasn't much more to go. So there was two things that kind of stopped me from playing. There was that. And then I came back later on because... No, so there was that. And then there was a hidden attack 
that you could um, hack and unlock that actually killed another player and took their stuff. Oh, wow. That happened to me once, and I, I put the game down. Were uh, you rocking the guitar at that point? I, I had a bunch of crazy items, and then like some dude like just knocked me out, took all my stuff, and I was like, what? That's dumb. And <laughs> just the game was And wild. then um, a friend of mine, um, I think he had moved back to Japan, uh, Masaki, he was like, hey, come on, we should play this game again. You know, we can hang out and talk and you know, just you know, have fun playing this game. But we're all super high level. So like... So I jumped on the game. I was like starter level again. He gave me one of those mags that was like super high level. Gave me a weapon. And we just tore through the end of the game. <laughs> to the point where like that last boss had like five different forms. You know, you beat it and then it had like an animation. You beat it, it had an animation. They hit it once. And tore it off. And the game, he said, don't worry. The game's going to go black. But that's because <laughs> it's running through all of the hit points, dying and then doing it again, dying, doing it again. So you're, you just wait a few minutes, and then the credits will roll. Wow, that's pretty awesome. I didn't think it would do something like that. And so we did that, and he gave me a bunch of like high-level items, and I was like, it's just not the same. I didn't earn this stuff. So that's I, what makes I, it so better. I, so I didn't come. To, I just, I just didn't go back to it. I was just done with the game at that point. And at that point, I got really into fighters and really into shooters, which is why um, I have a great fondness for the Dreamcast, is because they had so many fighting games for it and so many uh, like arcade games that they were producing um, which in the arcade they used the um, Sega had the Naomi it was called the Naomi arcade board system and that was pretty much what the uh, the Sega Genesis so the Sega Dreamcast was it was, oh, yes, the, it was right. the same, pretty much the same hardware that's why they ended up eventually getting stuff like all the Capcom fighters and Cannon Spike yes it was built on the it was built on pretty much the same thing so it like a uh, uh, Power Stone. Mm-hmm. So then, um, in the arcade, they created the Naomi Two, and they created um, Power Stone Two, and a bunch of other really classic, awesome arcade games, which you'll never find again. Basically, I think now nah, Power was Power Stone. No, nah, it wasn't pre Smash Brothers, but I think it was pre Melee at least. But uh, yeah, because Power Stone Two. If you have friends that can get together and play that with you, it's still a good time right now. Yeah, so I I loved that system because the online play was cool. Like I played Bomberman online and mm-hmm. Choo Choo Rocket, so I still have like the, uh, the 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 arcade stick for that thing is still loved by fighting game enthusiasts to the point where the last tournament I went to, people had actually like modded their sticks to play on the on the PS3. Really? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, so mine is like in a nice little um, place in my studio. Oh right yeah, it's right there. Right there, yeah. My my Dreamcast is a blue. It's a it's a it's a custom blue color, which I forget where I found it. But yeah, it's, it was the, was it the from Sega Sports Edition? I think so. Um, when <laughs> when I worked at EB, people would turn in stuff, and um, if it was a case that I wanted, I would just take the case off and swap it with my case. <laughs> they had the same skew. Like no one was gonna. I mean, no one was gonna know. So it was fine. <laughs> Yeah, no one was coming and saying, can I get the Sega Sports Edition? You're like, no, can I get a Dreamcast? That's what they wanted. Yeah. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they would ask for a specific thing. The sports games for the Dreamcast were actually really cool. I remember watching the uh, like the NFL 2K or whatever, and like be, I was amazed by how well it looked. Oh, that might be a little tidbit for you, a little history lesson. I only learned this from my brother. Oh, what's up? Did you know that, was it Electronic Arts screwed over Sega? In regards to those games, the NFL 2K games. Well, how's that? NFL 2K games in the sports game community were superior to the Madden games. Almost every way. 
Madden every year on its iterations would do very little to innovate the game aside from changing up the roster. Meanwhile, NFL 2K was actually doing a lot of gameplay changeups. They were adding career modes and all kinds of nifty things to change up how you play the game. So rather than make their games better, EA dropped a fat chunk of change on the NFL to get exclusive rights to the license oh, and they locked out wow. Sega so they couldn't make their games anymore. So instead of spending the money on better games, they spent the money for the exclusive rights to produce them. Yep. That's <laughs> clever and terrible. Yep. And <laughs> as a result, NFL 2K games went gone. And that's why we're stuck with Madden right now. There might, there might be another game out there and I haven't checked in recent years. I'm sure years, there are. I, just, I don't play them. Like I really haven't played a football game since NFL Blitz. Oh yeah, arcadey games. And even then, I, I just played it because I had some friends that were into it. So none for me, thanks. I just watched the boom shakalakas and the yeah. ten yard passes. Well, we should we should get down to the the last part of the show. We to well, this last part of the show. What are you talking about? There's a part of the show that we haven't done in a while. <laughs> oh crap! It's called the bonus round. Bonus round. The bonus round is the part of the show where you play covers and remixes based on today's theme. Oh yeah, the b- b- bonus b- 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 round. B- 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 ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah. So the last episode was the podcast anniversary, which we decided not to do um, any bonus round tracks. And then before that, we were Turbo Graphics focused episodes, which there weren't a lot to choose from there. So we thought, hey, let's get back into it. Yeah, I'm ready for it now, though, because I went prepared. Yeah. So um, actually. Your track is also Fantasy Star. We both picked the same Fantasy Star remix, which was amazing. So uh, mine is different. Mine is from the game. I'm next, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm next. We talked for a long time. Um, so my game, uh, uh, artist that we actually played back on the Genesis RPGs episode. This is the artist named Micah, M-Y-K-A-H. And this is his remix of the uh, song called Air Pirates from the game Skies of Arcadia. So check this one out.
That's the song Air Pirates from the game Skies of Arcadia, remixed by Micah, M-Y-K-A-H. And if um, we'll have links to him on the website, but he has a, and not, not like an album, but I guess uh, he did five tracks, uh, remixes, all of different like dance music styles from the game Skies of Arcadia, which is pretty cool. And I, this is this that was my favorite one of all of them because it was just really like, just fun, kind of driving and punchy and funky. Do 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 do. Yeah, a little repetitive. <laughs> do 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 do. Now the one you found. I was real excited to hear. I'm glad that we both chose it. Yes, sir. So we're about to play it up. We're going to take another trip back to the world of Fantasy Star Online. And the game <laughs> track remix title is Ragall Weather. And it is a remix of the theme from, what is it, the Image of Hero remix. And the composer of this masterpiece goes by the name of Zircon. So, if I remember correctly, is a remix of, well, I already said the name of it, so whatever. I'll stop rambling. Let's just get down to business and hear the tunage.
just took a nice bath. Bath. Oh yeah. <laughs> In that sweet ragall weather. Yeah, that that was a little journey. I love Zircon, and that was that that is one of my favorite tracks we played on the show. It's good. It's not a usual Mimi track, but it's... Yeah, you've had a couple of those today. The Dreamcast will do that to you. I guess so, yeah. But, like, man, that music was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love I love the kind of jazzy nature of it. Like, it took, like, that kind of cool futuristic sound that was from the game and made it really jazzy. It's so cool. And I think maybe that was the thing that got me into this one, that maybe it's because of the jazz. Because even though I don't pick jazz regularly for the show... I am a man who can truly appreciate it, and it can be heard blasting in my living room on occasion. <laughs> so, excellent work, Zircon. Thank you for making my bonus round go smoothly. <laughs> Much appreciated. So, for more information on artists on the bonus round part of the show, check out rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to their band camps and SoundClouds and um, some links to iTunes where you can download the music. Thank you for joining us today on our focus on the Sega RPGs for the Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> it's Sega. Whoa! So in the background is a game that I'm not sure was an RPG. I know it was a weird game. It was called Lack of Love. Um, wow! <laughs> L-O-L. Um, and it's very strange with a very weird and different soundtrack by Ryuichi, Ryuichi Sakamoto, um, who is a very um, famous film composer. Um, he composed uh, for the Last Emperor, the mu- that that old, older movie. I've never heard of it in game form or movie form, so that's all. Oh, I'll, I'll play the music for you. You'll recognize it. That sounds good. Maybe it'll click for me if you do that. That'd be um, nice. but yeah, yeah. Um, he's won a lot of awards. I don't know if he's done many games. I think this might be one of his only games he's ever composed for. And if you watch some gameplay of it, it makes no sense. It's my kind of game. <laughs> yeah. So I would say this was a pretty sound episode reflecting on one of the best consoles to ever hit the market that got less loved than it truly deserved yeah it wasn't didn't have a long lifespan did it nah it was because unfortunately it was doomed from the start so it it came out yeah it was like here's the dreamcast oh there's some interesting games up playstation 2's on the way everyone get rid of it (laughs) and then piracy kicked in easy piracy fat which, yeah, you know, I'm sure I had a lot to do with that. Oh, yeah, we all did in our own way. I mean, I bought a lot of games, but I also burned a couple. I can't knock it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's why I don't own Power Stone 2 right now, because I was like, I'll burn it, and then I'll get it later when it's cheaper, and then the game never got cheaper. Well, the internet was still becoming, like, high-speed internet was becoming a thing, so the, the bandwidth of what you could download and upload and share was was changing drastically. Mm-hmm. And also, there was a lot less... Uh, there was a lot less grip placed on managing what was being transferred and how much. So, yeah. Whereas now there was software protection on all of our consoles and also ISPs are being more mindful of what people were sharing. Back then it was just the sky oh. was the limit. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was Mad Max back then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
fun times. Yeah, <laughs> fun but, times. Um, but I feel like if the Dreamcast had existed, or to be more specific, the spirit of the Dreamcast, and by that I mean the level of creativity that went to it, and the innovation mm, that went yes. to it, if that existed today in our current gaming climate, I think it would have exploded. I think we're seeing a return to that in the indie scene. That is true, but the thing is, the indie is all over the place. Like it's on every system. Like there was a point where 360 was big on indie because of Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah. But at this current gen, well, it's gonna, they all saw it. Yeah, it's going to be whatever. If it's going to be on a console, it's going to be whatever um, company really embraces that that ethos. And and at that time, the 360 was all about that. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm seeing a lot of that stuff come around on PS4. But I mean, we have Steam now, and Steam is a really great platform for those things if they can get off the ground and. I mean, I'm sure they they have their own problems of like you know fake reviews and whatever usual internet you know gobbledygook gobbledygook's going on there. So one last story about the Dreamcast before I let it go. Until our next Dreamcast floating episode, away, <laughs> like floating away on this track. Um, I had this was before CD burners were big, right? So I had not like big, but like common. Yeah, you had to have a lot of money to get one. Yeah, and so then you can burn like games like this. So, but and portable CD players also weren't very common either. I was an early adopter, which I'm never an early adopter. Maybe this is why I'm not an early adopter of technology anymore. But back then, I was an early adopter of the mini disc. Oh, uh, format, which was like a small CD that you could re-record on, and I think they're still around. But I had a little mini disc player slash recorder that I would plug into the Dreamcast and I would record soundtracks. Oh, awesome. And I would take it on the go. So I recorded um, mixes of all the Street Fighter Three music, all the different variations of the themes, and all the Fantasy Star music. And I would listen to this. I would listen to specifically the Fantasy Star music all the time. Oh, that's awesome sauce. Yeah. It was um, super nerdy. But, like, yeah, the discs are around somewhere. Like, I use it for my own stuff, too, just so I can record off of, like, four-track recorders and things like that. Because this was also before... Wow, I have one more story about the Dreamcast. <laughs> wow, never God. ends with such a no. I, I didn't have a computer at the time. Like I, I had one, and then I think it died, and I didn't have the money to get another one. So the Dreamcast was my gateway. The web browser that was like on the disc that came with it. Mm-hmm. That was my gateway to get like my email through like Yahoo and all that stuff. Wow. So the Dreamcast was my computer for a long time because at the time um, when I was. Um, producing and composing music it was just turntables and a sequencer and samplers like everything was hardware like now everything's in a computer but back then it was all hardware because i didn't have a computer so yeah it's, it's interesting like this this really takes me back like this was my thing i would turn this thing on to get my email that's pretty awesome i didn't even know that yeah it was yeah i got you had like the mouse and you had the um actually i didn't even use the mouse i used the controller and i had the keyboard you lived and breathed dreamcast i did for a long time longer than the system was around for the the la- I think the last game I owned for it was, I guess I didn't really own, but the last game I ended up playing on it was the shooter where you turn black and white. Ikaruga. Ikaruga? Yeah. I just realized, really based on what you just said there, that was the first system I ever hard modded. Hmm. What else? What? Res. Res. I played yeah. a whole ton of Res on there. Oh, that was on the Dreamcast? Yeah, it was on the Dreamcast first. Oh, yeah. Sega Res. <gasps> oh, Duh. my God, man. Tons of res. Come back, Dreamcast. We need you now more than ever. <laughs> well, you know. In a world of sequelitis, there was one system that could resurrect the dead. <laughs> well, that was actually the only system I played on um, Resident Evil 2 and 3 and Code Veronica. Oh, that's right. They had the re-releases they had for the re-releases 2 and 3. Yeah, they're pretty good. 
but we're going over time here, so let's wrap things up. Um, if you'd like to contact us, um, send us an email. Um, send us an email at our email address. <laughs> RhythmPixels at Hotmail.com. And for more information about the show and for a full track listing, go to the website. RhythmPixels.com. And if you'd like to see us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, it's all at Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. Um, just, you know, uh, YouTube. Um, we're also cross-posting the show there. And if you're feeling generous and like to you know, help us out a little bit and help us you know, keep the lights on and keep the files on the servers, head over to Patreon.com and we'd really appreciate a subscription there. And if you don't want to have any property money but you want to still contribute, Hit that earlier email address with some topics or cool comments or suggestions or heck, just things you might want to have us talk about on the show. Yeah, we actually had some great suggestions from um, a listener that we just, a new listener that we just um, received an email from. So uh, Anwar, thank you very much for the email and the kind words and the great suggestions. We're going we're gonna to check out those tunes. Um, actually, some of the tunes I knew about and I'm really excited that we have the same interests. Mm-hmm. This is um, a guy that knows his stuff. Definitely. Oh, me or him? Him. Of he course. knows his stuff. He, he obviously knows his stuff. Oh, <laughs> yes, come on. Anyway, thank, thank you, thank, thank you, Anwar, for the email. Um, I'm thinking our next episode is going to be a composer focus before we do Christmas. I like the idea. Yeah, I think we're going to do a composer focus. Um, it was just it came up today. Um, we got to do it in spite of everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in spite of a specific person today, we're going to do a composer focus. So um, check out that next week. And then the week after that, we're going to do another lovely 16-bit holiday special. Winter Wonderland. So hopefully um, our own holiday schedule doesn't get in the way of that, but I think we'll be fine. Yeah. I think it'll be fine. It'll it'll be fine. It'll just be like weird ice, not really ice stages, but, you know. Just anything. Well, we'll see when we get there. We'll see. We'll just just make it up. It'll embody the spirit. (laughs) I'll just just make it up. Walking in a winter wonderland. Oh, man. This track is just chilling me out. (laughs) Better wrap it up so you can take your butt to (laughs) bed. Uh, Thank you, everybody. This is the Rhythm and Pixels video game music podcast. I've been Rob Nichols for the past hour. (laughs) And I'm attempting to remain Pernell. (laughs) Thank you all for listening, and have a great week. Good night. And remember, it's an interesting time, interesting place, and... More than ever, people kind of feel, feel like they need to be in this mindset of being serious and just pushing forward. Forget about the other things. Focus on what you need to get done to, get, to move forward. But you still got to remember to dream a little bit, too. Focus on things that you want to see happen in your future that may not fit the timeline, the structure that you have to have place, but can still be achieved if you just kind of believe and take that action when the time comes. What kind of a human can we be if we're not humans that dream? Mm. I mean...